0: Welcome to the Man Up
1: God's Way Podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men and their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin.
2: welcome to another monday night uh this is jody burke with the man up god's way podcast also the founder of the man of god's way men's ministry a ministry designed to encourage men to do christianity and stop sitting in the proverbial back row of the church uh you can check us out on www.manupgodsway.org uh, you to see all about us and we would love for you to be there Got an exciting guest tonight. We'll introduce him here in just a minute. But uh, as usual, I have my producer, Mr. Fregosa. Fregosa, how are you doing, brother? What to do, man? I'm doing, doing good. Glad you're here, brother. It's a good day. Yeah. Good being here. Good week. We were just making fun of your mustache. So this thing's got its own zip code, bro. Dude, I'm telling you what. <laughs> It's at least thirty pounds, forty pounds over there. I'd be
1: careful it's with weird. all that before you end up in a trunk, man. I'm just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that thing is massive. It's all funny so it's not funny anymore. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, exactly. And I've been over here trying to grow this thing for three months, and it just still
3: looks like crap. So I went through a homeless day when I first started growing my beard. I went through a homeless stage, right? And I, my brother even pulled me aside. I think I was, I want to say I was like thirty, maybe thirty years old, or. 20 28 29 he's like dude you look homely it doesn't look good it's not a good look you need to get rid of it and i was like oh, i'm not interested yeah. in dating right now like i was a new christian right. i was just like i'm finding myself right but, And then eventually it just turned into this thick beard thick mustache no clue where it came yeah, from. back
2: in the day did you had the the whole uh um i don't even know what you call it the beard that uh all my beard went down, to yeah, it, went down. it was massive he yeah. almost had the duck dynasty yeah beard going it was, on. Long. It was <laughs> and then all of a sudden he shaved so uh,
1: he's a super trooper
2: yeah he, exactly that's what he looked like a super trooper So, <laughs> well,
0: guys, we're, we're
2: really excited tonight we've got an awesome guest i can't wait to get into and dive into his story so without further ado we're going to introduce mr rob decker rob how you doing brother
1: and I'm doing I'm doing well, man. It's uh, really an honor and privilege to hang out with you tonight.
2: Well, I'm I'm so excited. We want to uh, give a shout out to Mr. Sean Horton for setting us up. Um, I know that uh, you had an opportunity to see our podcast through uh, with Duck Dynasty, and um, then all you know, one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, you're on the next week. So we're really excited about uh, your story and getting to know more about you.
1: Absolutely, yeah, actually jace is a jace he's going to be at our church on friday and saturday at our men's conference here in colorado Springs. so that's, pretty that's cool. awesome yeah
2: that's awesome well that'll, that'll be a good he's funny too um i think you'll have some good stories well i i got to uh watch the new movie that's coming out i don't know maybe they might bring the movie to you guys during the men's conference um but the, it's called the blind and it's about phil and Kay's life and dang it was it was really that's good. That's a
3: funny coincidence. So, uh, you know, the Noble Story kind right. of guys, they're, um, I believe the producer of, or the, I think it's the DP, the director for mm-hmm. that one is the director of the film that we're doing, um, oh, that, awesome. that we're doing funding for right, right now. Yeah. Oh, that's Small cool. World. Yeah. That I was is pumped cool. when I saw that. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah let exactly. go.
2: <laughs> they, they knocked it out of the park. It was a really good movie. It's probably, I would say it's the rawest Christian movie that I've seen um, since Passion of Christ, because yeah,
1: I think we need more it, raw Christian movies, man.
2: Yeah, I do too. I do too. Phil, uh, Phil kind of showed his butt in his early years, but thank goodness to Jesus grabbed a hold of him. So I think we've all been there. Haven't we,
1: Rob? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of raw before redemption, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly. Well, speaking of uh raw before redemption, why don't you, you know, one of the things I would really like to do in our podcast is, And I think our audience really likes to hear, you know, they, a lot of times they only get to see us in, in the, uh, what I would call the mountaintop view, you know, we're, we're online and we're, we've got ministries and, you know, we say all the right things and and do all the right things when it comes to social media and conferences and different things like that. But there's a side of us too, that they haven't gotten to see, um, or they didn't get to see just because most of it's in the past. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story about how, you know, you uh, got to where you are today and you can start back as far as you want. And uh, like I told you before we started, man, you can, you can get as raw as you want as well. And, and let us know all, all that you feel comfortable telling.
1: Yeah. 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 I won't be shy. I promise. I love it. You know, and, and the truth is, is that what I do today is a constant reflection of never forgetting what has happened to me throughout my life.
2: Mm, That's good.
1: Constant reminder. um, You know, I don't want to ever forget the things that I've been through, the things that God delivered me from, even when I didn't realize he was he was there. Um, So, you know, I grew up in uh, in the Bay Area, San Jose, California. And, you know, I was I was born to a mom who um, first she was told that she would never have kids. Um, and then when she got pregnant with me, she was encouraged to have an abortion. So kind of in our own little way, our back was already against the wall. Mom and I, my mom met my dad, the man that I would call dad when I was about six months old, he got her pregnant. He then had to marry her because that's how you did it way back then. Right. I mean, it was the noble thing to do. (laughs) Um, Regardless if you clicked or not. Right? <laughs> uh, oh, and and um, I remember coming home from kindergarten. Um, I was five, turning six, something around there, and I came home with a diploma, and uh, my parents sat me down, and my dad then informed me that he wasn't my real dad.
0: Mm. Uh.
1: You know, you know, hindsight twenty twenty. I'm sure that made a huge impact on me. Um, but also like, who's my real dad, you know, that's not here. Right. So it was kind of like a two for one. Um, not sure if that would have been my approach, but you know, (laughs) I don't never been in that position. So I can't say so, um, over the next few years, you know, what I saw between my mom and my dad was a lot of emotional, verbal abuse, Mm -hmm. physical violence in my house. There was a lot of drinking and, and using and partying. I remember my dad had this big stereo system in and, you know, the weekends they were meant for party and they were meant for those right. gatherings. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of, a lot of chaos. I, I partook in a lot of chaos and, you know, there'd be nights where my parents would have a falling out and the cops would show up to the house and, you know, I'd watch my dad, you know, um, take on four or five cops at a time. Wow. You know, as, as time went on, you know, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, um, you know, walking in and, and seeing the drug use, not exactly knowing what it was at the time. Um, <clears throat> when I was about eight years old, one of the neighborhood kids, um, was over at my house and took me into a closet and took advantage of me. Um, mm. you know, uh, sexually and, and, uh, you know, uh, it was not something that I could share with my dad. You know, my dad, my dad was my dad. He was, he was a pretty hard, hardcore guy, Marine, you mm-hmm. know, drank a lot, you know, um, he was just a tough, tough guy. At least that was my perception of a real tough guy. And that little boy's dad and him were friends. Right. And so, um, you know, throughout whatever shame or doubt or fear I had, you know, that's not something I could have brought to my dad's attention. Uh, about the age 9, 10, 11, you know, uh, I really got into snooping around and sneaking around the house and going through my parents' stuff, and I found pornography. And so at a very young age, I was indulging in pornography. I was, um, you know, for you younger guys, VHS, Google it. Um, (laughs) You had to be a little bit more, uh, you know, With our stuff, yes, you
2: did. You had to make sure nobody was coming home, you know, for yeah. at least so an we were hour.
1: Also, rewinding things back to exactly we where, where it was. Yeah, like <laughs> all the magazines and the videos exactly, like angles, everything. I don't know, like sprinkle some dust. I don't know, <laughs> right? It, it it could not look like you know uh, it had been tampered with. But um, but I started really indulging in that at a very very young age. Um, by the time I was a freshman in high school, um, I remember there was two major, um, moments for me in high school that really, um, catapulted me into an, another, uh, plane of life. And the first one was as a freshman in high school, I was a pretty, I was a troublemaker, but I was more of like reserved, um, there was a young man. He was a, a junior, senior in high school. We were all in medals class together. And, you know, this guy would just pick on me all the time. He would just pick on me. And, um, you know, I got picked on at home, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, the home, the home battle is not one I could win. So, um, I remember waiting for that guy to go to the front of the class so that I can make a spectacle of him. Right. I didn't care if I was going to win or lose. I didn't care. All I cared about was showing up and showing out, man. Yeah. And I remember unloading on this guy. And um, the reality of that situation is I walked away from that. sit. I walked away from that situation with some pride. Right. Mm-hmm. With and that guy shook my hand. Right. He was just like, hey, right on, dude. My bad. And. <laughs> Started to kind of puff me up into this like little bad boy, like oh. Well, what also started happening is you know from eighth grade to freshman year, is my look started to, to to transform, and I was getting noticed at school. I met a girl and fell in love with her at fourteen. Right? You felt? You felt heck yeah. Right, and um, fell in love with her, and we were hanging out at our apartment. Her her dad's best friend was watching us, and um he bought alcohol that night for us. And I, and up to this point, I had never drank before. Um, and so he was like, Hey, you guys want to drink? And like, sure. And so we, we drink and <clears throat> I watched a grown man take advantage of my 14 year old girlfriend in front of me. Oh my like, gosh! Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what happened that night, you know, I woke up, felt like trash the next day, but you know, my 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 perception on women really altered, and and intimacy. I mean, intimacy was already shook with all the pornography and stuff like that. I never had like this great relationship with my mom, so I didn't have like that. You know, I didn't know what it was like to have relationships with with females and all this kind of stuff, or really at all, right? Um, and uh, I also learned that night that I could numb my. My pain in my life. I could numb all the stuff that was going on at home, all the dysfunction, all the chaos, all the fights. And so, at 14 years old, I started drinking alcohol. And over the next few years in high school, that just turned into marijuana, um, acid, and shrooms. And um, you know, I went down. It was crazy. Out of all my friends, like I was the one that really took to drinking and and really trying to escape the hardest. And I think on the outside, it looked like I was just having fun with my friends, which I was, you know, I mean, that's how we bonded, man. I mean, that's just, that's what we did. But, uh, the escape got pretty bad. And I remember, you know, like 17 years old, my buddies and I, we ended up at a, a drive-in movie theater and, uh. I'm in the back of my buddy's Mustang. I'm in the trunk and, and, you know, we've been drinking and, and he pop open, he pops open the trunk and I jump out and, you know, I'm making all this racket and we pull up to this like old school ragtop vehicle. And the guy next to us wasn't having it. And um, so, you know, naturally I start barking at him and, and um, he, he walks up to his trunk and he pulls out a shotgun
2: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, and he pulls out the shotgun on me, and I walk right up to it, and I dared him, I just dared him to do it. Oh and my goodness! Reality is, is that there was alcohol involved, but it's kind of where I was in my life. It was like reckless. I remember going to school and drawing pictures during class. I couldn't pay attention in class, um, and I would come home with pictures of a guy. Who had a gun to his head, and if anyone knows what FTW is, we'll we'll keep it clean. <laughs> I would put that on the papers, right? Like I would put, right. you know. And so, at a very young age, I mean, my truth was even when I was young. I mean, I was probably like eight, nine, ten. I was cutting my my wrists at such a young age, and uh m- me and my buddy Johnny, we we actually both did it. So, you know, and I understand now that you know I just didn't want to feel emotional pain. And so I was, you know, really digging into my wrist. And so, you know, I know for sure that kind of that suicide mission really started at a young age and it only developed and got worse as I got older. Um, you know, and and when I enter my 20s, like I I dropped out of high school. I couldn't, you know, I was too busy. I was too busy numbing myself and you know, the crazy thing is I hardly remember my twenties. I know that I probably had three or four girlfriends, but along with that, I had girls on on the side and, you know, need for validation and acceptance, um, through those relationships with those women. And, and, um, you know, I probably lost three or four jobs from not even my behavior at work, it was my behavior away from work because I would develop relationships with my coworkers. And then they'd see me outside of work, Mm -hmm. uh, drugged and alcoholed up and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and, and so my twenties, like, to be honest with you, um, they were a big blur. Then when I was about 29 years old, 28, 29 years old, I'd met a young lady and, um, and, uh, things took off really quick for us. Um, I knew right out the gate, there was a lot of red flags, um, but I ignored those red flags. I think at some point, you, you know, the red flag is kind of almost stimulating. Right. right. Like,
2: yeah. it's yeah, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Totally, man. I mean, I, I need chaos, right. I'm right. I chaos. Like that was a dopamine drip for me is freaking red flags, man. <laughs>
2: and, um, the more baggage, the merrier.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was pretty, you know, She never came out and said it, but, you know, she insinuated or implied that, you know, some stuff had happened between her and her dad. And, Mm. you know, she had started watching pornography at a young age too. And so you can only imagine the direction our relationship was going in quickly. Um, We eventually had to break up. Uh, It was just so unhealthy. And when we did, I actually, I had this, this, this brother in Christ he wasn't a brother in Christ at the time, but he was, he was like my bro, man. He was a bro that I, that I worked with at, at, at the gym and he kept trying to encourage me to go to these Bible studies. And so, um, I did, I went to this Bible study and, and, um, I needed something else in my life. You know, my life was just so reckless. I couldn't hold a job, you know, relationships, trash, you know, I was a full blown alcoholic and, and addict. I mean, it was, it was all next level stuff. Um, I could barely maintain myself and I remember getting invited to this bible study and we were in California at the time and it was a really warm day and we walk into this this room and it's air conditioned and you know these guys are talking Jesus this Jesus that and I'm just like yo yo sign me up man sign, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is you guys got man I think I need it man right <laughs> and uh so these guys you, know what you hey, see don't you see i don't mean
2: to cut you off but don't you see a lot of times you know because and we'll get into the story uh, a little bit further with your ministry and stuff but don't you see that that sometime is a um a bump or a jump from one addiction to the other
1: you oh know, going, well, going to jesus you know, you know
2: trying yeah. to do, do all this stuff and then going to jesus and then they get bored with that and then they move on to something else and Maybe we could talk about that later, but was, yeah. was that the way you were feeling? Or did you really feel a push to that? You know, you needed, I needed something,
1: something different. I, I needed different. Something different. Yeah. And here's for me, like for me, like I was never the guy that would deny God in the sense of like, you don't exist or right. deny Jesus. And like, oh, you didn't die on a cross. Like, that's not that was never who I was. I never put blame on God. Like that was just not I, for whatever reason. I didn't. Right. Uh, but I just knew that, you know, I needed something, I needed something, I needed something different that was healthier than what I was doing. Right. And, um, I just remember these men praying over me and all of a sudden I start shaking. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have no, like, I'm, I'm not anxious. I'm not fearful, you know, and, and I'm shaking and remember, I'm in an air conditioned room, and all of a sudden, like I'm dripping sweat, man. <laughs> I'm just That's like awesome. these dudes rain over me, and and it was something so so super surreal, you know. Um, like I knew whatever was going on was real. I, I knew whatever these guys had were was real. But you know how the enemy works. I mean, very right. soon after I had found out that that young da- lady that I was dating started escorting. And um, so for me, you know, I got Jesus now. Why don't I jump back into her life and, you know, save her? <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. And um,
2: you got three weeks of Jesus in you, and you're ready to change the world.
1: I'm yeah. over here. I'm Billy Graham, bro. <laughs> 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 As I'm still like delving in cocaine and alcohol and ecstasy and all this kind of right. stuff. I mean, I was, you know, I was sincerely pursuing the Lord, but I was also really deep in self-medicating, right. I was still there. And so I got reinvolved with her and, um, you know, in her, in her little, you know, journey of escorting, you know, we, we came to an agreement that she was going to stop escorting and we were going to try to work out the relationship. And so, um, the deal. And dude, it's so crazy. Like I would even go to the houses that she was at while she was with these men. Oh my gosh. I was having pimp moments, you know, and, and, uh, but that's just how far and like how wretched it got, you know, and, and, and uh, she ended up going on this last trip to, to, to Hawaii with, with her, her guy, um, uh, the guy that hired her. And, you know, she called me up and she had told me how she'd been assaulted and insulted and you know shamed and all this stuff and how you know um how he abused her and it bit everything short of like he beat me but or raped me right uh, but she was showing me pictures she was showing me pictures of her face with black eyes and all this stuff and during oh that phone call she was just like you know let's just make this work let's make it happen and So she, she, she's coming home from Hawaii and and she calls me and I'm at my friend's house and I'm drinking, man. And, and we're watching the Lakers game and, uh, and she comes, she comes to get me. We stop at the liquor store, head back to her house. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tough place. You know, I I know that I've been drinking, but I also know what had just happened to her. It was just a, um, it was a lot, it was a lot to consume. Right. So we end up getting into a conversation uh, in her loft and it turns into somewhat of an argument. Um, you know, the Lord showed me what happened later, but you know, she wanted to connect and I couldn't connect with her. I just couldn't. Um, wow. it was too much. And so I went downstairs to, to rest it off. Uh, she had a futon down there and then I wake up to a banging at the door and it's like, Rob Decker, we know you're in there. It's the police open up. It's like boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like startled. She comes down the stairs and I'm like, what's going on? And she looks at me and she's like, I called the cops and told them that you raped me and tried to kill me.
0: My God. (laughs) Holy cow.
1: And in that moment, like, you know, the fear, the betrayal, the confusion.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: Crazy stuff. This was eight years or eight days after my 29th birthday. I was told growing up that I was going to be dead or in prison by the time I was 30. Um, Eight days after my 29th birthday. And you know, the devil reminded me of that prophet. Oh, I
2: <laughs> bet he did. Yeah, exactly. You probably want to call that person up and let them know that they were a prophet. <laughs> right?
1: So, uh, the
3: One, the one, one that it? got it right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Right. And, um, so I, uh, her I could, I can't do this anymore. I just can't live this way. I mean, the reality of what I was homeless, I was living couch to couch. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. Um, I didn't have my license, didn't have a job. I was selling steroids and human growth hormone for money. Like I just didn't have anything positive going for me. Wow. Yes. I was saved, but I wasn't that far along in my salvation to even understand what that even meant. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I just you told him
2: fighting. You were still letting the flesh win. You know, you didn't understand how to let the spirit win.
1: No, nah, yeah. no. Nah. And um, so I decided to run head first sprint headfirst out of a third story loft window with the intention of breaking my neck and killing myself and uh, my foot clipped an awning changed my fall and I ended up severing my spine broke both of my arms and collapsed my lung um wow ambulance took me to the hospital I went under for 10 hours um woke up to the cops arresting me for rape and attempted murder and uh threw the cuffs on me because apparently i was a flight risk <laughs>
3: <laughs> After, I, 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 I gotta really? i gotta say this if they saw you fall from three stories you surely can't fly yeah exactly i, I don't I even get the,
1: that. the irony in that, that right <laughs> like i can laugh about it now boys
3: <laughs> oh, yeah
2: exactly holy cow man
1: the, uh, it's just the irony of it all um so they shackled me to the bed you know, and I remember, you know, I remember um, just laying there and um, I, you know, I had to get uh, blood. I had, I had, <laughs> I had tubes coming out of my neck, out of my nose, you know, pads all over my chest. I had an external fixator, a cast. Uh, so I uh,
2: think I've seen, you got a picture, you post a picture every now and then yeah. uh, on okay. social media, don't you with that? the yeah. Okay, I've seen that picture now that you say that.
1: So I have so I have two levels of rods, 13 screws, and two cages. Holy cow. Yeah, in my back alone. And I don't even take a Tylenol to this day. So praise God. Um Wow. I was in I was in the hospital and and you know, my body's rejecting blood, and like it was major trauma. Like I hit concrete. You know, I had these long, this long surgery and, um, and uh, I remember the police officer, he didn't want to be there in the room with me. And so, you know, the guy's grilling me. He's like, oh, I'm looking at your case. Like, you know, you're going to go to prison and these guys are going to do this and that to you. And and I was just like, and I started breaking down, man. Like I told him, I said, you know, sir, I've done a lot of bad stuff in my life. I made a lot of really poor choices, but what I'm being accused of never it's just not who I am. It's just not what I would do. And I just start breaking down, crying. Nurse walks in. She's just like, you have to calm down. We can't have your blood pressure up. And um, as she's walking out, the young lady that accused me walks in in a disguise, basically. Right. Um, new, new hair, sunglasses, all this stuff with a folder in her hand Her sisters with her. And the cop looks up and he's like, well, uh, is that who I think that is? I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and he goes, like, "Well, that doesn't make sense." Like everything just shifted. Like every his demeanor just changed. Oh, awesome! Yeah, well, you know, Herschel, really? big deal. So he he ha- ends up escorting her out, and um, I remember later that night. You know, I'm laying in bed. I'm trash, man. Like I can't even move. I've got um, what is it, morphine and Dilaudid right. pumping through my system, man. Eyes are rolling in the back of my head. <laughs> back and forth like but i can't sit up i can't i can't move um i I just can't i can't do much and i'm laying there in, in bed and i'm asking the lord i'm like what do we do what happens from here you know and i swear like everything goes silent everything goes dim the chaos the noises of the hospital just kind of dissipate for a moment and just it just gives me chills uh from head to toe this peace consumes me, and I hear the charges will be dropped, your bills will be paid, and you will walk again. Mm. I wake up. I wake up from it all. Pain's back, lights back, noises back, everything's back. Well, one of the officers was doing a shift change, and he and he sits next to me, and he's like, "Hey, Decker, I just want to let you know that they're going to drop the charges. Just want to give you the heads up." Oh my gosh! So, wow. Yeah. He's like, I just want to wish you the best luck. He was, I mean, he was super, he was just a great guy. Right. He was a God, man. I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming he right. was an angel. Sure. And, um, and so they, shortly after that, they, they did, they dropped the charges. And then um, my mom came to visit. So basically being shackled to the bed means I get no visitors because I'm a prisoner of the state. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. And uh, so the first person I see is my mom and she's in the hallway and she's like, falling her eyes out the neurosurgeons talking to her and she's like dying man and uh and she comes in i'm like what's up mom and i'm already knowing i know exactly what was being talked out uh, talked about out there and and she goes nothing son everything be okay nothing i said mom what did he say and she just Phew. he said you may never walk again hmm. and uh and wow. i was like yeah i don't i don't i don't think that's gonna be the case you know and and um You know, my mom walks over to me, man. And me and my mom never had a great relationship. My mom and I, um, we never had this great relationship. She was a young kid who had a kid and then, you know, had this man raise me, which, you know, we struggled, right? It it was a struggle. And um, my mom comes up next to me and says the most loving thing to me ever.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) Man, she says, I wish everything had ended for you that day. And I took that as... Son, I'm sorry that I've put you through so much. I'm sorry that you're in so much pain. And I'm sorry that it came down to this. Mm. And that's that's what I heard. That's how I received it. Right. Um, so shortly after the neurosurgeon comes in and says, hey, we're gonna we're gonna perform another surgery. They did. They performed another surgery. I was able to sit up in my bed and um um they got me out of my bed and I was able to drag my foot. I was able to drag my foot and I knew at that point I was going to be able to walk again because at least I was on my two feet and I was dragging my feet. And it was a long road, man. I mean, I remember getting out of that bed one morning and I look over into the bathroom and I'm like, who's this character in my bedroom, right? In my hospital room. And it was me. Uh, I didn't even recognize the guy in the mirror. Um, And I had jumped out of the window, 215 pounds, solid muscle hundred and fifty five pounds three weeks later yeah i was a scale frail skinny frail you know broken thing Uh, after about six weeks and more than a million dollars worth of hospital bills um they sent me to go live with my mom and as i was living with my mom i remember she was taking care of me and she came home one day and god been really working in my heart And, uh, she walked to that door and I broke down crying and I'm like, you know, mom, I'm just grateful that you're my mom. Cause she didn't have to take me in at that point. Right. And, um, so then my mom sat down with me and she started to share with me her life, the things she'd been through her past. And, um, the things I shared earlier about like, you know, uh, people telling her she should have an abortion and all this kind of stuff. The doctors even told her she could never get pregnant at one point, you know, and here we are, you know, here we are. Wow. And, uh in that moment when my mom was telling me all the things that she'd been through being raped and beaten and run away from home. And, you know, I just realized my mom was just a broken young person like me. Mm. And I'd spent all this time with these high expectations and of, of who, who my parents were and what they should have done for me. Right. Opened my eyes to who my mom really was. And then she, told me who my dad, my dad who raised me, she started telling me stories about his childhood, the things he'd been through. Wow. And in that moment, um, I was led to forgive both my parents.
2: Praise God.
1: I I knew that I needed the grace and the mercy that was given to me because God gave me my life. He let me stay alive for whatever reason it was. And um, I can't imagine what would have happened to my mom if I passed, but Um, I, I had to forgive both my parents. And so over the next few years, man, um, I started getting back into the gym, started working out, fell back in love with the weights, um, started putting size on, started getting strong again. And over time, like all the pain meds started falling out. I was pursuing the Lord pretty, pretty heavily. And, um, yeah, not
3: to to interrupt you too much, but do you think that that forgiveness, Kind of allows you, like, allowed you to open a door to a, to a new beginning. I was, um, I saw something today that said there a man has a, a three different relationships with his father. Like one that he looks up to his father, um, two, then he just misunderstands and you know doesn't agree mm. with his father about anything. And then the third one is what you just mentioned is like humanized. Then he humanizes his father and says, "Oh, my father's human, right? And it's broken." and I'm broken. Oh, wow. And, and I feel like that, um, that was pretty insightful for me. Um, But do you think that forgiveness opened up a path for a new beginning um, and made space?
1: 100%. So I do share a lot of times when um, I close out, you know, forgiveness is freedom. Uh, Forgiveness is truly freedom. You want freedom in your life, forgive. And, you know, I'll kind of move forward You know, my dad, over the next 10 years, watched me get better. He watched me quit drinking and using, and um, he didn't, he didn't. And um, he calls me up one day, Uh, this is 10 years, 10 years into it, man, 10 years into my healing. And he says, son, I don't know why you talk to me. I don't know why you love me. I never wanted you to be better than me. And I and basically I, I did everything to keep you down, right? Mm. And uh, I just said, you know what, Dad? I love you. You're my dad. And uh, and that was because of the forgiving heart that I had for him, right? And uh, and uh, a few days later, I get a phone call that uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, mm. He oh was he was saying goodbye uh, he was saying, I'm sorry. And that was my dad, man, Freaking macho Marine, hardcore alpha male. Right. Like, um, but that was his way of saying I I love you and I'm sorry, son, you know, and that's, that's how he went about it. And that's how I really, that's how I heard it. That's how I heard it. Um, you know, shortly after that, after my dad's death, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now you need to go reach out to your real dad. And I did. And I reached out to him and you know what he tells me? I have six months to live. And uh, yeah. so I'm like, you know what, God, I see what you're doing here. <laughs>
2: Let's, wow. go.
1: Let's go. Um, I have an opportunity to make good with this man <clears throat> who was, who was never there for me, but I forgave him. Like, you know, you know, man, we all make bad choices. We all, you know, and, and a lot of times the comeback is prevented from the shame that has developed over the years and the guilt, you know, prevents people from moving forward. And, you know, I'm just glad I listened to the spirit that, that day. And and I reached out to, to my biological father and we spent the next five months communicating. And then it was like, you know, you need to come out here because he's on his deathbed. His, his wife was like, yeah, you know, Mike's Mike's almost finished, you know? And so by the time I got out there, he was pretty done, man. Um, you know I remember him coming out the first night I was there, and he was so disconnected and discombobulated and he was sucked up and skinny. The Norwegian guy is like, you know, I've seen my cousins, they look like four, you know what I'm saying? They, they look they, they, you know, those Norwegians they're no, I'm the runt. I like some genetics, but but um but you know, I went to go embrace my 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 father, you know, my biological father, and I could just feel his shoulder blades and his spine and you know, and I'm like, hey, dad, I love you. I just want to let you know I love you. And I mean, he broke. He just broke to pieces. He's like, I love you too, son. I love you too. And he got up and went to bed. He left. And then I didn't, I pretty much didn't see him for the rest of the time I was there on that trip for the three days. And um, I had to go. I had to go and I go into his room to say goodbye because I knew, you know, this is the last time I'm going to see him. And I'm holding his hand. And I remember rubbing his knuckle and I'm looking down. I'm like, Hey dad, I got, I gotta go. I gotta go be with my family. And, you know, you're in God's hands now, you know, dad. And, and, uh, man, I mean, he was taking shallow breaths. His, his, his eyes were sunken into his head. He was just so skeleton-ish, you know, and out of nowhere without his mouth even moving, I hear no, not yet. And I was just Wow. Broke. He knew I was there. And um something that really was impactful to me is when I was in Colorado before I made that trip to Washington, I was praying for him. And I had this vision of us being in the bathtub and I'm dunking him. I'm 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 baptizing my dad. So I'm going out to Washington thinking that I'm baptizing my father, right? Well, I called God out for that. <laughs> Bad move, guys. that
2: didn't go well for jonah either so (laughs) yeah
1: well you know what god showed me was that i showed you what was happening spiritually Mm. your presence you bringing me to him you brought me to him Mm. you know um that's where salvation for my father he felt jesus like um you know jesus was with me when I met, you know, when I, when I was in the room with them and, you know, I'm confident that both of my dads, you know, made it to heaven. Um, the, the, the part that hurts my heart the most is they didn't get to live in the joy of the Lord while they were here. Right. That's what hurts your heart the most. Right. Um, Because I actually had a vision of my, my dad that raised me with Jesus. So my dad, the way he died was, it was a drug overdose you know, I'm I'm not trying to confuse anybody. So my dad that raised me and, um, in the vision that I was given Jesus. So my dad, he was using drugs. He had a heart attack. He was, he was having a heart attack and, and he was going to the bathroom to get his respirator, his oxygen. And, um, that's how we lost him. He collapsed and he couldn't recover. Um, but I was given a vision of Jesus pulling his putting his hand down to my dad saying, are you ready to come home, son? You've been prayed for like, you know, and, um, and, you know, I I have the kind of faith that knows that God's grace is so sufficient that even in my dad's final breath, God is good enough to be like, you know, you with me, you with me, you know? And, and so, um, so yeah, that was the, That was forgiveness for both of my dads that ended up in very powerful places. Like I was afforded the opportunity to be able to hear the I love you's and I'm sorry's at the end of their days where not everyone gets afforded that opportunity. And I got it afforded twice, you know, Um, so there's great power in forgiveness. Oh, yeah,
2: exactly. I always say it's like unforgiveness is like drinking acid and hoping the other person dies.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You've got to, it's not always for the other person. It's 99% of the time it's for you. It's for you to get to the place to where, you know, it's like the Lord's prayer, you know, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you really want God forgiving you like you forgive others?
1: Right. Well, you know, and, and I, and I understand this man about, about trauma and generational curses and, and, uh, patterns and behaviors, you know, the things that the Lord has shown me in my, my, my healing process is like, man, my mom and my dad, they were handed down stuff and they only responded in a way in which they knew how, and, you know, they poured that onto us, but then it gets to some point with us, especially us men is that God is like calling you out. Like, Hey, you're the one that's going to break these chains, right? You're you can't gonna...
2: keep blaming somebody else for your own struggles.
1: Well, and that's the thing too. I think a lot of, a lot of my issue is i never, I didn't want to be a victim anymore. Like right. why am I living in this victim mindset? You know, and, and that's what I was doing. I was living in this victim mindset all the time and it's what I knew. And, and being a survivor is what I knew, but I think, well, I know that after God gave me life back. So, and I'm such a knucklehead man, that, you know, I attempted suicide and over the next four years, I'm still using cocaine and popping pills and getting drunk while working out and getting stronger but there were certain things that I wasn't handing over to God, and and the last time I ever took a drink and used cocaine was, um, my girlfriend who is now my wife. I got behind the wheel of her car. I crashed her car into a house. Ran from the scene of a crime. um, Fell into a creek. Hit under a house. And I'm like, here we are again, Lord. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> here we are. You know, and um. And and I was under that house, man. And I was I was pretty trashed. I was pretty trashed. And I'm begging God, like you know, can you bail me out of this situation again, right? And God, you know, even in my intoxication, just like being in the hospital and being on those medications, like this clarity came over me. Like God just broke through it, like as God can do. And He showed me this video of my life over the last four years. You have a beautiful young lady right you you have a job again after after the doctor said you will probably never walk again or work again you will live off a disability I'm the number one salesman in the company breaking records left and right crushing it right Um, I got my license back I have my life back like life is good and God's showing me the mercy and grace that he's bestowed over my life and everything He's giving back and here I'm fit and strong again you know what I'm saying and um, in that moment yes I did you know, I could have lost my freedom, could have lost my girl, could have lost my job. Right. But the thing that broke me was knowing that God gave me my life back and I was just not handing over Mm. my junk to him. And to me, that was true repentance of the heart. My heart broke and I'm like, you know what, Lord, if this is your will for my life, I will never drink again. Mm. I will that young lady i will walk away from this like if this is your will for my life and um and that's what happened i mean i walked away from that situation with a slap on my wrist and it could have been pretty devastating there's a lot of details in that story that i'm leaving out but there were about three opportunities that night for me to get arrested um and i didn't god completely saved my butt when they found the on the car it was in the trunk. It wasn't even the front, right? Like somehow his spirit led me, even though I was consumed by another spirit, because alcohol is a spirit. I don't know if you guys know. I'm going to drop a little nugget. Alcohol comes from the, the Arabic word, alcool, which means flesh eating spirit. Mm. Pharmacy, pharmaceutical, pharma, pharmakia, drugs means witchcraft and sorcery. So if we're over here ingesting alcohol and I'm not saying like having a glass here and there is bad or beer. That's not what I'm saying. Why you're using it is the issue. And and it is the issue, but to consume that alcohol and those drugs on that level, you are basically performing witchcraft in a seance and allowing demons into you. I mean, it's pretty much exactly what it is. Right. Um, You know? And so, you know, God, God delivered me that night and healed me. And, uh, and I believe it came from a, a place of repentance. And so, you know, moving forward, my life's missions began like, you know, God, <clears throat> you know, from the time, from that moment and, and and prior, I just saw how God worked in my life. You know, a lot of that stuff isn't hindsight 2020 when you're not walking in the spirit. Right. And so, you know, my life's work with what I do now you know, um, you know, I work hard to help those that are struggling with addiction and trauma, you know, um, find a better way in life. And I know this, that, you know, um, a lot of people don't want to be preached at. Like, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, my, my heart, man. But like I was saying before the show, like a lot of times trauma has its own language and, you know, the church has hurt or shamed or pushed out a lot of these people that are struggling um, because they've been labeled and deemed like, you know, like, you know, they're just, you know, impacted by the devil or whatever the, the case may be. You're just a sinner. Like, you, it's a quick fix. It, none of that stuff is, is you know, people go through stuff and it's hard right. to get a lot of stuff. And you know, you're going to lie to you, the people around you are going to lie to you, the devil's going to lie to you, and you're going to have this constant lie that's being pumped in your ear. And so for me, it's like, you know, I I was fortunate to find a way to use fitness and softball to go out into my community, because Matthew in the book of Matthew says, go out and make disciples, right? right? You know, and a lot of these people that won't step in the church, well, now I get to go out into my community and I get to pour love into these people and create opportunities for, you know, uh, a healthy environment to play sport and to 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 commune with each other, um, knowing that we all come from different walks of life. You know, I don't focus on one brand of recovery. You know, there are particular recovery groups that we could actually do a whole podcast on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, really focus on the wrong things, but also believe that their way is pretty much the only way of recovery, which is very harmful for a lot of people. And I know that a lot of Christians have bought into their system and um, there's certain things I'm not going to do, bro. I'm not going to say that I have a disease. I'm a sinner, man. I'm a straight up sinner. I don't have a disease. Um, And if you want to call. If you want to call it a disease, it is sin. You know, um, that's what it is for me. I'm also not going to label my th- myself alcoholic addict um you know it runs in the family like all that stuff like I'm just not going to stay attached to those things right but people do so i you know that-
2: so you don't use the typical uh I'm a former addict or I'm a you know recovering addict or anything I mean do you just do you feel that it was demonic or do you th- feel like it was a spiritual attack I mean how do you view that do you think it's a chemical imbalance
1: I think that it could become a chemical imbalance so when I was in the hospital I was actually diagnosed with being bipolar right and you know here's my perspective and chalk it up for whatever you want I was raised in a toxic and traumatic environment I was introduced to drugs and alcohol and that trauma is going to create imbalances right right then I was introduced to numbing agents and self-medication right and so I ran with that then within that I started developing particular, uh, behaviors and patterns. Right. And then I got into a place where I needed this all the time. This is how I'm going to get by. Right. And right. I, that from use, constant use, what God has shown me in my life, you can chalk it up. Like, you know, I know there are people that say it is a disease and that it's like chemical and all this kind of stuff. Um, my perspective and my point of view, being a believer in, in the body of Christ is that, you know, uh, those are all deliverable situations that all I was looking for was for connection and instead of right. drugs and alcohol. And when I started to forgive, see, I've sat in those groups, man. And I've listened to a bunch of unforgiveness and a lot of shame that took place in those rooms. And, um, that, that I don't think that's healthy. I, that's not who the sun sets free is free indeed right? I am a new creation in Christ. And I believe those things about myself. Um, I don't think God ever handed me any of that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I became a product of my environment. Right. I just won't stay attached to those things. And there's great freedom in that for me. Right. Like, man, I'm free. I'm floating. Like I'm good, you know, and now I can, I can focus my life's work on trying to pull other people out of that pit and if people do attend those groups and that's your support and that's your community and that's the structure you need, that's terrific. For me, I'm not going to be attached to those things. And unfortunately some of my experiences with that group is that I have been hammered for my form of recovery, Mm. right? I've been, I've been called a white knuckler, a dry drunk, and, and the crazy thing is this is like I've watched God heal my heart, heal my situation, grow my life. I've seen him giving me a give me a beautiful family, a business, a home, uh, a nonprofit organization where I give back to my community. Um, it's hard to, you know, hard to believe in those things for me. Right. Um, but that's just my perspective. And I think that as Christians, we have to be careful what we speak into our life and what we call ourselves. Um, I think that where a lot of people can fall into the, the enemy's trap is, well, that's just what I am. Mm. So I'm going to go back to it. I have a disease. So I, you know, I'm going to feel like, it's just what I have. And I think those are lies. I think those are lies and I don't want to be associated with those lies. Mm. My perspective on that is, is, is quite different, but you know, I have people on my teams They are part of those groups. Um, and and I love them because I love the people um just as much as there's certain brands of Christianity that I would never follow. (laughs) Um, but I love those people.
2: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, they're always welcome and accepted in my life. It's just that I've been browbeat by certain groups in my process. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, man. I mean, a lot of my heart is to go out and meet people where they're at and through what we do in our community, you know, my hope is that people see something different and that creates transformation in them. And, mm. and it's all Christ centered, but I don't need to preach. I just need to go out. I need to go out and I need to be the Jesus that I always needed. Right.
2: Yeah. Somebody, sometimes people just need a, a an ear to bend. You know, and they need to hear your story, you know, talk about your testimony, give you an opportunity to share, you know, a lot of times you can share Jesus within the testimony and let them hear all the stuff that you just told us tonight that gives them, you know, hope because, okay, well, I might've done all these things Rob did, but I didn't jump out of a three story window. So maybe I've got a chance or I didn't, you know, crash your car, you know, so you, I think a lot of times, like what you say. People want to all of a sudden say, oh, you just need Jesus. And this is why, you know, you, and the, the next thing you know, they're so confused that, you know, they may be going, OK, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And two weeks later, they're back to doing all the same things again. They haven't really yeah. truly met Jesus. They just felt guilty uh, for for being where they were.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what's really cool is that you're you're touching on that. So my buddy, Adam Vahil, and I want to in, introduce this man to you guys. You guys will absolutely love him he has a phenomenal testimony, man. And, um, him and I actually do something called unbreakable messages. And what we do is we come together and we interview people like ourselves who have been through a lot and have come out on the other side. And so, um, the hope of that is that people hear themselves in our stories and can see like, there is light at the end of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. right? right? It just happens that all of us follow Jesus. We're all believers of Jesus, right? Like, that's just the way it is. But, you know, a lot of us, we have been delivered. And um, so, you know, Adam and I go out and, and, you know, a big part of our ministry is sharing our story. And that's why I have no problem sharing my story. I have no problem digging deep. I I have no problem getting graphic with it. Because um, what has happened to people it's graphic, it is graphic and and it is deep and it is painful and people need to see that they are not alone because, you know, a, a lot of that addiction comes from that loneliness that, that, that they feel and, and the fact that they have no one else to come out and talk, you know, talk to, right. like, so being men, godly men, like we're bold in our truth, but we're also transparent and vulnerable with the things that we've been through. Um, so that we can see other men find healing as well, because right. the reason we're crumbling as a culture is because we're losing godly men.
0: Right,
2: exactly. Straight, Straight up. Yeah. And that's, that's what my, our ministry has been going for 12 years trying to, trying to change that trajectory. And uh, it's not an easy thing to do because, you know, men's ministries like herding cats.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I think somewhere along the lines, like they believe they believe that they need to be a part of it. But you know, men have to be able to 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 look inside of themselves. Yes, you know, exactly. and say, hey, I need help, and I can't do this alone. And you know, I grew up with a dad that was, you know, grew up in a certain generation, and he had a certain mindset. And it's like, you know, suck it up, Buttercup. We don't cry. Yeah. You want to cry about like, da, da, da. like you know, where I raised my son a lot different than that. Uh, And I'm not knocking my dad, like, that's just what he knew. Um, But to find a safe space in a sense of like, man, we are, we've all been through it, man. And uh, we want to see you come out on the other side of it. Like men have to develop the courage to come out and be like, yo, I, I really, I'm struggling and I need help. Right. And I think that's where we need to get a lot of these men you know oh, exactly
2: exactly so you you met your wife
1: oh yeah I was and, talking about my wife you know,
2: yeah. yeah yeah I I you telling us a little bit she's italian <laughs> sicilian yeah, yeah. sicilian okay <laughs> she's
1: sicilian yeah i didn't want to end up in a trunk so i married her right. exactly <laughs> so, old. so
2: how good. So you, you had, as a girl, as she was your girlfriend, you had the car wreck and that's when you quit drinking, uh, sitting under a house or a deck or wherever you were, you know, just praying to God and then you quit drinking. And so what happened from there? Like, you you know,
1: well, so basically, so when I, when I was talking to God on the house, like, if you want me to marry Alyssa, I will do that. If this is your will for my life, I will marry Alyssa. And, um, and, um, we ended up getting married, like maybe a year later mm-hmm. I think it was less than a year man I'm really bad with that stuff Jody so <laughs> all right <laughs> probably has like the 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 hour the minute the second like <laughs> yeah exactly um but but yeah so you know I, I immediately married my wife um uh, well you know you know married her and because I you know when God bailed me out of that situation I, I knew that he had purpose for me. And so, um, you know, I married Alyssa, I married Alyssa. And then shortly after that we had Caleb. Um, and it's crazy. Like I knew it was going to be a boy. And I actually had named Caleb before I met Alyssa. Um, you know, when I first got in the scriptures, you know, Caleb went to the promised land and I said, you know, God, thank you for saving my life, even though I'm a knucklehead. Um, right. and I'm a lot more crappy stuff, right.
0: <laughs> like, um,
1: I'm going to name my, my, my my son with Alyssa, uh Caleb, you know, he made it to promised land. And um, I want you to bless that boy uh greatly. And it's really interesting. Caleb was born with this spot on his chest, like this little dimple on his chest. And I tell him, like, that's where God laid his finger on you, Caleb, and said that you're gonna do great things in this world. Praise God.
2: That's awesome.
1: And so, you know, Caleb, Joseph, and and, you know, then we eventually moved out to Colorado where I started my own small business with my wife. You know, she does all the back end responsible work. I do all the fun mm-hmm. stuff. Right? <laughs> She's the Excel sheet on the party animal. And um, and uh, we we developed Kingdom Fit, which is a uh, uh, kingdom fit faith and training, which is my g- gym in my garage. And then, you know, all of a sudden I started putting together these softball teams and and um Alyssa's now the treasurer for, for my nonprofit organization rises lions. Um, I can trust her greatly when it comes to money and finances. When, when I met her, I was about 40 grand in debt and, uh, you know, now we own a house. So that tells you, you know, about you know she, I mean, she makes uh what's that, what's that guy's name? The money guy.
2: Um, Ramsey. Dave Ramsey.
1: Ramsey, yeah, she makes Ramsey look like a big spender, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she makes Ramsey look like a Kardashian. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so um yeah, my my wife and I we have uh three beautiful kids. Nice you girl. know, Gianna, Violet. Gianna's four. Violet's nine months. Caleb, you know, six. I do have a son who is uh twenty three years old. He lives out in Tennessee, and and um you know, I didn't even start becoming a part of his life. You know, I followed the same footsteps as my biological father, right? Like I didn't play a a role in Christopher's life. And, you know, when he turned 18, I started developing a relationship with him because I could, right. If you guys know how the legal and all that stuff works. But, um, so over the last five years, I've been developing a a really good relationship with him and now I'm a grandpa and, Mm. and, uh, you know, he has a baby girl. That's a little bit, you know, 10 year
2: old. If you're a grandpa.
1: Yeah. I'm 45. (laughs) It's crazy. So, yeah, but um, I'm
2: 54, so I've just I'm fun.
1: <laughs> I don't have grandkids yet. So yeah, I'm 45, and and yeah, but you know, with Rises Lions and um, you know all the things that we do here, and you know uh, we have three softball teams, um, mm-hmm. you know, ones for the veterans. We have a veterans team. We have one that's co-ed and one that's men's, and we just plan on continuing to shine recovery and and being accepting to every form of recovery. You know. You know, they're sober groups. We play sober, we play sober softball. Don't get me wrong. We play, I mean, we have ball players. Drink was never their issue. They're not drowning their problems. They can have an occasional drink. You just don't drink before, after, or encourage that kind of behavior with anything, right? When you're playing with our our guys, and that's their recovery. Like they may have attempted suicide. They may have lost a brother to a drive-by or or a suicide or you know, I have a very unique group of individuals that have been through a lot of stuff, and a lot of them are ex-drug addicts and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, we want to kind of, you know, look at recovery as, as more, you know, encompassing and accepting and, and, and unify these individuals that are like, man, we've all lived a tough life, and we just want to support that in each other. And so um, I do get grief from certain organizations. That uh mm-hmm. we aren't come all completely sober and dry, but um, <laughs> that's okay. That's just part of the deal. And I'm okay with that. Because I believe in the bigger picture and what we're doing through Rise as Lions, you know. Right. You know, so and Rise as Lions means to resurrect like Christ. Mm, I love that. Now is
3: that is that a nonprofit organization?
1: 501c3. So everything that all my all my athletes, um, aging and inex- inexperienced, inexperienced, and experienced, and all, um, they don't pay for their uniforms. They don't play, and they don't pay to play. Um, it's kind of my gift to them for focusing on their recovery, and um, and and creating a, a healthy community for others to join. That um, at the end of every game, not every one of our ball players is believers. Not every uh, opponent has believers. But ninety five percent of the people, after every single game for both teams, show up at that mound so that we can pray Jesus Christ over people. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and so, so, so
2: what are you doing outside of that? Like, how are you taking you know that recovery further than just uh, once or twice a week? You know, softball game.
1: So that's awesome. So I told you, Adam and I, we do the the podcast. But um, I work for another nonprofit organization called Embark PCA and um, the gentleman in charge, Rod, he um, pulls people that have had mental struggles and some of them are incarcerated or in some kind of housing um, or in some kind of institution and he pulls them out and we put them in this home and I'm the activities director, athletic director. I get to do all the fun stuff with these guys. And so I get to engage with these individuals. Like, so these guys that sit in jail, a lot of them are considered incompetent. And all that means is that these guys were probably on the streets way too long, did way too many drugs, committed a crime, and they really have no idea what's going on. Right. And they're not emotionally mature enough to really get it. And so they go through this program that I'm a part of. And so I get to pour into all these guys as well. So I get to watch Rod build this nonprofit. And basically what God has done has um, the way that I look at what I do is I get to connect with the lepers of our community right these are the people that have been outcasted and left you know and um you know the guys that are judged and thrown to the wayside you know and and I get to engage with them and love on them and you know pour into them and hang out with them you know and um so I do that in in recovery as well and like I'm getting my COPA certification, which is, you know, a mental health recognition through the state of Colorado. I'm a, a certifi- certified CCAR addiction recovery coach. Um, I have like a, Q-MATS, a QMAP certification where I can go out medication if I wanted to. Like, you know, I, I constantly get all this education um, and I just, you know, I just want to pour the Lord into people, man, Right. you know, um, right exactly. pretty much. And, you know, the reality is, is that people see me through social media. They know my platform. And I often have people coming to me like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with or my friend's struggling or like, how can you help me here? I mean, I just received an email through Rises Lions and I'm going to read it to you really quick, you know, and this is me personally engaging with people is that the subject is addiction help message. I'm an alcoholic and looking for all and any help out there. Mm. Right. And so, you know, tomorrow I'm going to give him a phone call on my way to work. Hey, what's up, bro? Like, how you doing? Like, how can we help you? And the really cool thing about what I do in my community is that you also meet like-minded individuals. So a lot of uh, rep your recovery at the sanctuary church, like they have a recovery group. Like I'm connected to all these powerful, amazing warriors for God that all are in the recovery realm as well. You know, um, something that God put on my heart a while ago was that I am going to be the bridge. He said, Rob, you're going to be the bridge between recovery and the church. Mm. Right. And, um, okay, Lord done. Let's do it. Um, and isn't so, that where,
2: isn't that where recovery should start?
1: It yeah. should, but it doesn't. The church,
2: wouldn't that be awesome?
1: It would man. And you know what? I'm sure there's a lot of great churches out there. I live in a, Very church-dense, nonprofit-dense area, Colorado Springs. They like for all that stuff, man. And I'll just, I'll say this, man. Um, I don't believe that many of them are Holy Spirit-driven. I believe that, um, you know, a lot of these ministries and nonprofits have their own motives. And they just kind of stay in their own world, man. It's like you get people to come into our church. Well, how about you be the church and go out into your community? Right. where we need to be. And that's where God has called me to be. And that's what I do. And, and again, like I go to an amazing church, you know, they're gonna have Jace Robertson and, you know, and, and uh, they have a heart for the community and, and they talk about trauma and mental health and addiction and, you know, and they're actually going to have me come in and and they're going to record my testimony and see if they, they can formulate a sermon around my testimony. And, um, but that's, for me, it's like, just being on the front line, being a, I'm a target, I'm a straight up target. I am completely vulnerable (laughs) I'm out there, you know, and I'm okay with it, man. I know people are going to take shots at me, but I also know a lot of people are going to be helped in the meantime. And people are going to look when they don't want to feel like, you know, they're going to be judged. And a lot of people won't step foot into a church because they have been judged, man.
2: Why do you think, why do you think that people are taking shots at you?
1: Oh, it's happened brother. <laughs> like it, I mean, but
2: why do you why do you think it's happening? Like, why are well, they I
1: mean, the enemy the enemy wants to shut down anything good? He wants to distract, he wants to derail, and that's just what the enemy does. And right. I think anytime, you know, it's funny, I call I call my team the recovery rebels. You know, that rebel is Jesus Christ, man. You know, um Jesus would have been considered a rebel within his culture and his community at the time based on how he acted and what he was preaching. Right. right? Jesus took shots, right? Uh, I'm not. Think, yeah. Well. Do
3: you think <laughs> that that's a, do you think that that's something that just naturally happens as we take firm stances within our different denominations on, you know, I think, especially in recovery, you know, you're taking a firm stance that recovery um does not necessarily mean abstinence. And so Correct. for most recovery programs, I mean, from where I'm sitting, that seems like that would just naturally bring some type of, you know, resistance. And
1: those are the things I've taken shots for. I've taken shots for that. But it's like, well, you have to understand, like, for me, I take a Christ-like approach to it. It's like there and and it's a realistic approach, too. It's just like, you know, there are people that can do that. Right. And recovery does not mean just drug and alcohol problems. Right. I attempted suicide. There's a recovery that takes place when people attempt suicide, right? Maybe someone's never, you know, had a problem with drugs and alcohol, but that was something, the trauma, the being molested and raped. Like, you know, I I get it. You know, I was I was sexually assaulted by a worship leader at a church. You know, I've been molested as a boy. You know, I've been a drug and alcohol, drug addict, alcoholic, you know. Um, you know, I come out of trauma and violence and all that. You know, I attempted suicide you know, I can relate to a lot of people and, and I look back and see how God handled me. Well, I should be handling people in the same manner. And, and I'm not going to say, because you have a beer once in a while, like you're not in recovery. Like, you know, I, it, I just, it's just not. So I do take shots for that. Uh, I've had people take shots at me for that. I've I've had people take shots at me for having compromised individuals on my softball teams, but you don't know what that time spent on our team has done to them and what it means to them. Right. You don't know what kind of culture you're exposing them to. Like they feel welcome and loved. And sometimes that's, what's going to take. And a lot of times, a lot of people in recovery that claim that they're sober aren't sober, but, but to maintain their status and their community and uh, their position they have to say they're sober i have i have witnessed people from those groups i have witnessed them drink and then go to a meeting and say i've been sober for this long and i witnessed
0: mm. because
1: they don't want to be vilified they want to keep their sober date they like being a part of a group like that's their that's their group that's their All community right. that's
3: interesting it almost it almost sounds to me like my experience in early church, like when I was growing up, because if you confessed your sins, you know, um, it wasn't like Catholic church. I grew up Pentecostal. So it really was a competition to see who was the most holy within the church. And anytime you sin, instead of asking for help or guidance or, Hey, you know, I screwed up here and what can I do? It was, you know, um, I haven't really sinned all week. So, you know, what's your week been like? I've been perfect. Have you yeah. Been, yeah <laughs>
1: you know, that's very Western churches, right? That's, that's the Westernized church, man. I mean, it's, that's just what it's become. And, um, you know, I think we, we need to become more Eastern. And, and, and I think that the Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus that's always being represented in church, man. And, um, you know, you know, God hung out with the people that I choose to hang out with. Right. And so, you know, I'm going to take shots. I'm going to take shots for hanging out with those people or pouring love or, you know, expecting the best out of them. Um, with What's your the-
0: goal, your goal
2: is not just to hang out with it. It's to transform them. You know, that's, there's a big, that's what Jesus did. De- Jesus yeah. hung out with them, but he transformed them.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm not chilling in the bar, bro. Like, um- <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm saying that for our audience, you know, that's yeah, yeah. the, the issue is, is that, you know, we it's comfortable in our church um, surrounded by four walls with the people that I know. And for us to try to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Okay. All we th- have done then is become, you know, nerds of knowledge. We haven't really applied it to our life instead of, you know, walking out the four walls and applying the gospel and not just the gospel message, but in the gospel love that we pass on to others by just being there. You know, by uh, encouraging, by uh, admonishing, by uh, just lending an ear and lending a shoulder, and sometimes they just need, you know, somewhere to cry, and, and you're there for that. That's the gospel. Well, it's you know, not just sitting in church.
1: And and it's very interesting, like all these Christians that I see, well, people that I've seen at church or they claim the faith, you know, and I see their behavior outside of it. And, and not to say that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination, man, but, you know, I met a, a dude that was pretty much, you know, ag- agnostic, right? And, and um, you know, he told me, he said, you know, I can't stand Christianity and I can't stand Christians. And I felt him on that statement. I felt him. And I'm just like, I get that, bro. And uh, and he said, you know, if I were to ever become a Christian, like I would want to be more like what you re- represent in Christianity, mm. like what I believe it should look like. And and that's not any pat on my back; it's it's me really doing my best to want to bring Jesus out there, man. Mm, and, that's good. And 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 I understand, like that's why people, you know, I think who was it, the Dalai Lama, or was it Gandhi? You basically said you know i like your christ but i don't like your Christians. i like your
2: christians yeah exactly
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and 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 the truth is is like i can actually understand that like i i can i can resonate with that you know and
0: you yeah know. you
1: can Hopefully.
2: Huh? You can. i said i hate that i hate that about you know the, the hypocrisy that we do have in the church needs to go away you know yeah. we need to, we need to be a place that uh you know i tell our church all the time we are we are an unperfect person. you know if you're looking for a perfect church, you need to find somewhere else to go because we're not going be we're not going to be that church for you because we're not a perfect church. and uh, there are no perfect churches and you'll always be disappointed if that's what you're looking for. And for us to to not have a, a heart of love for those who are even sinning um, and live in a different way than we live uh, is goes against the Word of God i'm literally i'm literally studying right now i start a series so i just finished the last i spent the last two years going through the book of acts uh at our church so i preach first by verse and uh, expository preaching and uh i'm starting first john on this coming sunday october 1st or uh, i think it's october 1st um october october something i think it's the first anyway Mm -hmm. um I, you know, I've been going through the first four verses of 1 John, and you know, you start going after that, and it's like, man, if you don't have love, yeah, like, what, why are you even here?
0: You know, like, why, is,
1: why, are, why are you been,
0: in church?
1: Love has become so transactional, right? Yep, you know, it, it's no longer a gift to give so. on to others, right? right. It, it's It's so it's so transactional now, man. And and it's unfortunate. Like the the thing that I've kind of seen in the church is like, you know, they get this hyper grace attitude. Like, you know, they, I know Jesus and like, ah, you know, um, but they don't extend that to others, man. I I mean, I'm actually more, I'm more disappointed in Christians than I am the heathens, (laughs) right? Like,
0: (laughs) Well you, <laughs> you, you, you
2: kind of get an
1: authentic bro like
2: you, you expect you, you know what the heathens are gonna do. And they act yeah, like yeah. the heathens Yeah, they yeah. act like heathens and they act like they're lost because they are and they don't know any better. It, the Christians should know better.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and so it's it's tough, man. And it and you know, it's just it, it is hard. And um, you know, I you know, for me to be able to go out and, and try to pour that into other people and just show like I want I don't want people to see like the church Jesus. I want people to see the Jewish Jesus. I want right. them to see the Messiah Jesus. Like that's who I want them to see. And I know I fall short in that department. You know, I'm still a flawed, broken man myself, but you know, just to bring that to the people, especially during these times, like things are only getting worse, man. Um, and we need more Jesus, man. We really, Amen. Need more. Amen, brother,
2: man, what a, f- what a great testimony. Yeah. Great story. So, so with um, rises lions, what's your, what's your main purpose behind that? So uh-huh. is it all recovery or is,
1: well, so it's, it's interesting because I'm Christ centered. I don't force my faith on anybody. I want people to come and join the community and feel the love of God. Right. Like right. I want them. And so the goal is to continue to create these teams of individuals that are wanting to support each other and recognize each other for who they are and to appreciate each other, man. And, um, you know, start taking the the junk out of, out of life. And when they come out to the field so that they can come out there and, and have a good time and feel loved and appreciated. And you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I just happened to, I, I got the opportunity to use softball and fitness as that Avenue of ministry. That was kind of like what God had given me. because it all really started from a buddy who was playing baseball, doing drugs, and and I was like, bro, why don't we just start our own softball team, right? Like, and we'll we'll create this environment, and like, and and that's kind of what I want to keep going. You want to? I want to change the culture in the softball realm because for me, baseball growing up, when I see my six year old play baseball, and just like, just just the 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 love he has like there's no issues there's no problems it's just it's just him in the baseball field right and and i like having that little kid live inside of me i like being able to go to the softball field and being that big kid where i don't have any problems so like let's not bring him to the ball field right and for the most part you have to be sober to do that like i'm sorry i mean a lot of these guys bringing that, that to the bringing your daily problems to a place where it's supposed to be a, a, a sanctuary in, in a place of release for a lot of us, like there are people ruining that for other people, but it's not going to take place on my teams. And so we want that to grow. And it's even gotten to a place we played Sunday night, check this out. We played Sunday night and at the end of the very end of the game, and we moved up a level. So we hadn't even played these teams yet right but people in the league already know what we do i'm like hey guys we're gonna go pretty cool the mound and everyone's like oh we know we know like (laughs) yeah like (laughs) so yeah and and they all come to the mound and they join us and they pray bro you know um that's the movement that we want that's the shift that we want and then you know maybe you can get some of those guys praying on their own you know and I think that's how you start shifting the atmosphere and taking it back from the enemy.
3: I think that's a really unique perspective of, you know, not, not unique because obviously it's, you know, it's what Christ did, but praying on your own is the big switch. When you start praying on your own wild things start happening, mm-hmm. you know, you really start connecting with the father. Um, you really start connecting with, you know, the creator of our universe because he starts listening starts talking back you start listening is wild it's Mm -hmm. really cool
1: yeah well we hope that we can plant those seeds in individuals or start to get them to question what christianity should look like or walking with jesus should look like or you know and i want my life to be the fruit of god's goodness based on my walk with him and so a lot of people are like man you know this guy look at you know, look at what he's doing and creating and and beautiful family and, you know, you know, doing all these things in the community. I don't get credit for all that. I get credit for showing up. Like you still have to make a conscious, conscious decision to show up, but I want to see, I want people to see God's goodness in that so that they start pursuing it themselves. Amen.
2: Man, that is good. So why don't you tell us what what do you got coming up? Um, um like What's in the horizon for Rob Decker and um your ministry and uh your recoveries and and let me let me ask you this first um how have you been doing with your recoveries oh i, mean, I, I you completely healed and yeah i've
1: been troubles? i've been healed in the, the name of jesus like you know he delivered me and and i truly believe that was through true repentance like every desire that that urged me is completely gone and has been for 10 plus years now and, um, and I truly believe that comes from a place of repentance, like true repentance. Like you can't force that. It was just repentance for me. And, um, and I was ready. I was ready to give it all up and just move forward and walk with the with God and know that, you know, um, he was going to walk it out with me and, and I had great purpose in this life. And so that purpose is also a driving force for me. Um, you know, I don't know, my wife and I might have another kid. We'll see. Um, Here you go. that's been a little bit of a talk, but we'll see. Um you know adam and i um which this is going to be prophetic he's going to be on this show amen okay. all
0: right.
2: Praise God. <laughs> well we'll uh we'll get
3: him scheduled for sure all right and um in this situation we actually have the ability
1: well, you to- problem. no problem <laughs> the guy fights for jesus he's an mma guy fights for jesus it's amazing every time he wins like first thing he says jesus right so it's amazing um But him and I are going to, you know, run an event here shortly. So what we do is we've done one before is uh, we create this event where we interview people, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, people that have been through it and tell their story with the hopes that someone can find hope, help and healing within that story. They see themselves in that and they can move in the direction of that healing. So Adam and I are going to hold another event probably in October somewhere here in Colorado Springs and invite a bunch of people and we'll probably have anywhere from eight to 10 speakers, um, you know, 10 to 20 minutes apiece sharing their story. You know, I don't try to put limits on that stuff, but we're going to do that. I'm also currently working on, there's a woman's team, a softball team. Um, one of the ladies plays for my co-ed team and she reached out to me and she was just like, you know, I'm going to start running my women's team differently. Mm -hmm. I see done here. And environment means environment means everything who you have on the team means everything. And she's going to run it sober. Um, She's going to, you know, she just wants the right people on that team. So we're going to try to help sponsor her so that she can have that team. So it's not necessarily a recovery rebels team, but it was inspired by us to be able for her to do what she's doing. Um, We are going to continue. We eventually want to turn our teams into a league. We want to clean it up so much here that we want to invite churches and recovery centers and people in recovery and just build our own league off of it. You have to have an understanding. We don't drink. We don't use, we respect the game. We respect each other. We respect umpires. Like let's, let's do it the way it should be done. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome, man.
2: That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: That's
2: a culture changer. You know, I mean right now the culture, um, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. It's like, um you know when i was growing up the parents were always on the teacher side and the ump side like at the you know very seldom do they they ever take up that now and now it's like the teacher's wrong and the ump is wrong and you know culture has just gotten out of whack and umps are getting beat up and refs are
1: but culture's pretty shoddy i mean i'm i'm a little league coach okay. um I coach along I'm an assistant on on my son's little league team I'm also a board member for the league and I have watched how tainted that the game has gotten even on a little league level right it is bad kids are disrespectful coaches they're 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 full of ego they just care about winning and um it's just a nasty, a nasty culture man that is just the winning has trumped integrity even right. on the level of little league baseball oh yeah yeah you know, it is. That's, that's a shame when i was growing up there was one travel team in the area right you had to been one real good you ball were good
2: team. yeah exactly they you got like,
1: you were yeah. a god. you were a baseball god right All Right. now they have 30 travel ball teams just so you can say your kids on a travel ball team like there's nothing special about those things right. but i us as parents have we've bought into a lot of of the garbage too and um really elevating our children on onto a level that probably shouldn't we're a lot of us are living through our children something that i have to be very careful of like when i look at caleb and his baseball baseball was my love and i look at him and i have to be careful that i'm not trying to live my dreams through him right yeah,
2: but too many parents i've got a little phenom in soccer i've got 12 year old twins and um man they are just both of them are good at sports and it's such a it breaks my heart that you know one all of these teams baseball and soccer and just about any sport you know is having things at nine o'clock on sunday morning um you know they're just the enemy is just getting people out of church the best that
1: he possibly can well you know most of those tournaments take place on sundays man
2: that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah they just, take yeah. they, everything takes place on Sunday. It's like, it makes no sense to me that, you know, the world is, I mean, it makes total sense. I should oh, yeah, it. it
1: makes great sense. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: it, It's a perfect way for the enemy to get, you know, and parents were like, oh, we're spending family time. No, you're not. You're spending it on the sidelines in the freezing cold or the blazing sun, watching your kids out there that probably won't even make it on the high school team, much less college and uh, spending your whole life out here.
1: And that's where we have to be careful. Like, I understand this and I tell people this, like, you know, my son's not going to play Major League Baseball. I mean, there, there's a chance. Like, I'm not going to strip that from him. Right. But I'm also not going to invest in my six year old. Like, my son has been invited to play for a 9U team. Right. Right remind you like my kid is six i mean he's capable of playing so my son is six and he plays with eight to ten year olds right now like that he is in his skill set smallest guy on the field is freaking adorable it's so cute exactly adorable little guy but 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 you know you're getting these six seven eight year olds to start playing on highly competitive levels you know we we faced a 10 year old that was throwing curveballs man like Like, you know, early in this stuff to kids, like, you know, I I don't know. Um, I think as parents, I love sports. I love baseball. My, my son is very athletic. I mean, the kid's a stud, um, but his whole life cannot be that. Right. I, I told, I tell my son, like, I want you to go far with baseball to open up doors to, to be able to help people. Right. Lions. Uh, something I like to share is, um, you know, I want my ceiling in this life to be my kids dance floor. Mm, Amen. I want everything that I do and that I work for everything I do in my, my family and my community. I just want them to get a better starting point than I did, but I want to serve and pour back and get creative and find uh, fun ways to give back to the community. Like rises Lions helps my, my community. But I also want to, I want to pass my family something that they can be proud of and that they can use it for the kingdom. Mm. You know? um, I always, I tell yeah. people, like, you could be a preaching pitcher for all I care, man. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, use, use your gifts and abilities. You know, um, I've always been a very outgoing person, a pre outgoing person, I'm pretty charismatic and sociable. Like you can tell I talk a lot, right. I, I connect with people, Right. You know, the gifts that God gave me and mm-hmm. I used those gifts in the world to get what I wanted at a survival mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Kept me high, kept me drunk, kept me with the ladies. Right. Well, when God transformed my heart, I wanted to take those same gifts and give back to his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Praise God. You know? And, and so I use all that, my ability to to network and socialize and connect. And I want to identify my kids gifts early so that I can guide them in the direction of using those before they abuse them. Right. Right. Spent a lot of time abusing my gifts. Mm,
2: That's good. And your, your kids will have a different life, you know, Um, you know, the way that we raised, I've I've got two older kids that are 22 and 21 and we set the bar for them so high when it came to Christianity that if, you know, in in the, the love for God, that if they did fall, it wasn't far, you know, like it was, it was manageable, you know, if they did have a, a, you know, a, a problem or issue or any of those kind of things, and they've turned out to be really, really good kids. And we're doing that same thing with our twins. And I think when you at least give them the tools and the ability, and you're doing the things at home, not just hoping the church will raise them in that, but it has to be done at home when you're doing it at home and you're, um, you know, strengthening that with taking them to church on a consistent basis, man, they have so much better, so, such a better start than most kids do, you know, and yeah. yes, they're, they're going to struggle with it. They're going to question it. They're going to doubt it. Um, but you know, they always come back to Jesus. You know, I've watched both of my older kids, you know, go through the struggles and, you know, once they, you, you kind of like, you know, once you let them go, it's like, okay, you gotta see what they're gonna do and um it's pretty pretty cool watching them.
1: Well, you gotta let them live and you gotta let them figure some things out. It's just you know, they're not gonna have the same problems that I had.
2: Right, so, exactly.
1: You know, right, you exactly, problems, guys. It's just you don't have to have my problems. You don't have to have my like my children have two parents that love them deeply. And not to say my parents didn't love me deeply. They just they didn't really know how to love each other and you know and That show. They
2: they were raising themselves while they were raising you. You
1: Yeah, so that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, and so for my wife and I, it's like we do things, you know, healthy, right? Right. And and not that we're perfect, by you know, we're not, but you know, my kids get to, you know, we spend a lot of time with our family. Right. Exactly. So that's great. And and I pour in my and again, my my kids see what we do in the community, and and you know, I tell my son. You know i tell caleb i say you know you, you got to be out in your community doing things for people um right. you know it's church is church is something that we need but like you, you know you really want to be the church dude you got to go out and yeah yeah exactly and go be kind to people you know even when they're not kind back right you know? so
2: well yeah. praise god brother that is awesome well man it's uh it's been an hour and a half and Oh, man, actually, I think an hour and forty-five minutes. Uh, yeah, we've been crucial. talking, and man, you've done a great job. I love your testimony. I love your heart. I can feel the passion that uh, you have for Jesus and His people. Uh, which you know, a lot of people have a love for Jesus, but they don't their people. I uh, don't His people. And I, I appreciate all that you're doing uh, in and through your ministry and through your testimony and. Um, and through your family, I mean, you're, you're taking your family along with the ride too. You're not just leaving them out there all by themselves. And, uh, what a, what a blessed heart you have, man. And I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to get to know you a little bit better and, um, you know, see what God does in the future for our ministries, uh, possibly together. How yeah. can, um, uh, so let's say somebody right now is struggling with some kind of issue or, uh, maybe just, you know maybe could they, is there any way to, to, to get a hold of you? Yeah, or... of course.
1: And, um, just, you know, if you go to riseslions.org Okay. You know, I'm there like Rob at rises You can find me, you can find me on Facebook, right? Rob Decker. You can find me on Instagram Decker underscore Rob. Like I, I am pretty easy to find. If you Google my name, it's me and some other dude that takes photos. Like, <laughs> so, like so if you guys hit me up enough, like that's like a
2: situation <laughs> you know, like, right exactly you know,
1: and all these people you know um but but um you know it's yeah me and a guy named rob becker who's a photographer um but if you look if you look me up like i think my CVN stuff like i was on the 700 club and all that okay. was, I, I think all that stuff pops up you can easily find me on the first Got page Rob decker and, and and you will find a way because i also have a website called robdeckerspeaks.com and you know, you can, I am really easy to locate. Okay. I am always willing to have a conversation, a text message. I know some people have a hard time communicating. I think, you know, um, a lot of times you can't go to your church or you can't talk to the people in your family or you're afraid, you know, you know, we all suffer from shame here and there, you know, fear. Um, but I'm kind of like, Hey, I don't know this guy, you know, I can spill it out on him, you know, and, and, mind having those conversations with people. I really don't. Praise God. And,
2: Praise God. So if if somebody's listening right now and is hurting, what would you and, and maybe they're afraid to reach out or maybe they're afraid to, uh, you know, even admit the issues that they're going through for going through right now. What
1: what what word
2: would you give them to give them encouragement to get through what they're going through?
1: You're loved and you're worth it. And um, it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to step up and, and, uh, you know, really open up and, and seek some healing. It Amen. really, does. and, um, you know, it can happen and it may take time, um, but you're worth it. Jesus loves you. I love you. You know, there's, you know, God has a kingdom of people out there that want to step up and help, but we have to know that you're out there and need the help. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, well, brother, thank you so yeah. much for that word. That's that was a great word. and It has Love been it. a blessing to be with you tonight. And uh, again, folks, if you get an opportunity go to Rob Decker, uh, Facebook page, Instagram is Decker underscore Rob at Instagram RisesLions.org is his website. Uh, go check him out and, um, and uh, see all about his ministry and be praying for him as well. He's doing a, a great work out in Colorado Springs. And we thank you, brother.
1: Thank yeah, you. the enemy. The enemy for some reason doesn't like me. I'm just saying, just throwing it out well, though. Well, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: it, it's pouring out here. Holy cow! I was going
3: to say, uh, I was going to explain for people watching. There was a moment where you looked up and wide eyed over at me, but I was like, it's not what he's saying. I've it's- got,
2: I've got headphones on, and we're in a like a like the ro- rain is coming down like
3: crazy. Holy cow! Yeah. So-
2: <laughs> it's Start, going to be an interesting to see if it yeah. messes
3: with the audio i'll for say this have, i'll have
2: to do some uh, editing on that well well brother thank you again so much uh, god bless you uh let's stay in touch and yes, uh, let's uh let's do this again real soon
1: i would love that i appreciate you fellows you guys have a blessed night
2: thank you brother like well yeah. god bless you man have a good night
1: you too all right bye-bye
0: You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.